0: Imagine having a bra that you actually want to wear, and maybe this seems inconceivable if you don't already own a bra by today's sponsor, Honey Love, which has transformed the bra game. With Honey Love, say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love is so comfortable, you may even forget that you're wearing it. Now is the time to spring clean your bra drawer. For a limited time only, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com/birthful. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com/birthful. Now, currently, I have been very partial to my Honey Love Silhouette bra. It is super soft and it has these really lovely 3D printed velvet details that actually add support and I can even crisscross the straps in the back. Also, like all of Honey Love's bras, it features supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. I can tell you I'm never in a rush to take it off. Plus Honey Love also has incredibly comfortable shapewear, matching underwear, tanks and leggings for everyday support. Treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com/birthful. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off at honeylove.com/birthful. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them Birthful sent you. Treat yourself to honey love. I'm a huge fan of preparation and prevention, and one of the most impactful and immediate ways to influence maternal and infant health is through nourishing nutrition. But honestly, when was the last time any of your providers had a meaningful conversation with you about eating habits and prenatal supplements? Prioritizing nutrition can truly change perinatal health for the better, which is why when talking about prenatal supplements, I'm proud to partner with Needed. They've redesigned the prenatal vitamin from the ground up based on the latest clinical research and in-practice experience of testing thousands of pregnant people's nutrient levels to know what they actually needed, not just to meet some bare minimum needs. And what I always tell my clients is that even though they're called prenatal vitamins, you should continue to take supplements during postpartum and beyond because your body still needs so much nutritional support. I love that at Needed, they understand this and have different plans to make it easy for you to meet your optimal micronutrient, microbiome, and protein needs. They have a fertility support plan, a plan for each of the four trimesters, and a lactation support plan, just to name a few. Needed is recommended by nearly 4,000 doctors, midwives, doulas, and nutritionists, and is proud to be the first perinatal nutrition company that's B Corp and climate-neutral certified. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of needed products. Welcome to Birthful Mighty Parent or Parent-to-Be. I'm Adriana Lozada and I am so happy you're here for today's birth story with Nana Ison Akiwowo. First of all, because Nana is a fantastic storyteller and there's just so much laughter in this episode, even when we were talking about the hard stuff, but also because her story exemplifies many of the concepts we've been talking about in our care provider series. Now, one of the things that keeps coming up when we talk about how to find the right care provider for you is trust of how you need to feel comfortable enough with your provider to be able to call them at three in the morning with your questions or of you being able to trust that your provider and frankly, everyone in your team is going to respect you and your wishes and do what they can to protect your space and energy, regardless of what type of birth you end up having. And this is very much the case in Nana's story. Nana is a seasoned humanitarian and social entrepreneur, founder of the Fourth Face Aftercare Boxes. And as she shares her story, you can really feel how much trust there was between her and her care provider, but also how the other members of her birth team, specifically her husband and her mom, were so fundamental in setting the tone for their joyous and respected experience. Now, for Nana, the surprises really started coming after her baby was born, when she didn't feel the intense love and euphoria that her friends had talked about, and she worried she'd missed the initial chance to bond with her baby. Between hemorrhaging several weeks postpartum, having to exclusively pump, and being in the thick of the fourth trimester... While feeling that no one had really told her how hard it was going to be, Nana even found herself confusing her baby's poop for A&D ointment. Yup, A&D ointment. I promise you've got to hear this story. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Welcome, Nana. It is so lovely to have you here on the podcast. And Why don't you tell the mighty parents and parents-to-be a little bit about yourself and how you identify?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I identify as she, her, and I am a mother to a precocious nine-year-old girl. Um, I'm married. I live in New Jersey. I'm a social impact entrepreneur, and I'm from Ghana, West Africa.
0: And so today we're going to be talking about the birth story. Of that precocious nine-year-old. Oh, I remember it. (laughs) Nobody forgets. No one forgets. Um, So before Mm -hmm. when you got pregnant and you were, you know, just starting to think about, oh my gosh, I have to give birth. What were your wishes? How did you prepare?
1: So for me, I don't know if I had any wishes, to be honest, other than just deliver a healthy baby. And that is primarily because of my GYN, my OBGYN. And I remember we had a very difficult time getting pregnant. And so when we got pregnant, it was like, okay, so just we just need a healthy baby. And uh, my doctor was very much like, don't come in here with all your preconceived notions about this magical birthing experience. And I was like, no, 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 I've read. She was like, don't read any more books. And she was like, put it down. Because it's, there's a particular mom who can read those books and internalize and separate. You happen to not be that mom. And so every single word I would read, I would call and be like, and I had her personal number. She'd been my GYN forever. So I'd call Dr. Green and be like, Dr. Green, it said, she's like, if you call me again. <laughs> but we had such a great relationship together that it wasn't dismissive. It was very much like, you're worrying for nothing. Our goal is to have a healthy baby. We would like to have a vaginal birth, but we will have any kind of birth that is necessary to give us a healthy baby and give us a healthy mom at the end so it was that was our birthing plan that was whatever needs to be done to get the baby out. What do you think we got to do? what's best? what's not best and we talked about everything and and she did a great report with my husband, and it just she made us feel easy like. This is going to be easy.
0: So there was a relationship of trust and of open conversation. And open conversation. Which is huge. Which is so huge. And for her to know you enough to say, you're going crazy with the books. Yes. Back off. And for you to realize, oh, she's not being patronizing to me. And actually, she knows me. And that's kind of true. I was kind of being a little cuckoo bird. (laughs) 3 a.m. I might have been a doctor. At 3, I I was, oh my God, it was horrible. And I
1: was like that before I even got pregnant. I was the person that would like take a picture of my vagina and be like, Dr. Green, what does that look like before I come into the office? And she's like, if I wake up to another image of your vagina,
0: it's going to be a problem. There was a lot of trust. There was a lot of trust. (laughs) So then how did it all start?
1: Uh, So the, the birth or the actual delivery process? Well. Like, what else started, <laughs> Nana? <laughs> well, because the birthing, the, the road to getting pregnant was so difficult that I didn't know. So that for us was its own process. So for us, the journey of her is is not just the delivery portion. It's really the, how did we even get to her? And because it wasn't what we expected, we thought we were just like everybody else. And we would just, dip, 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 dip. We're pregnant. Yeah. And it was like, dip, 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 dip a topic, miscarriage, something else. Right. And so we went through that journey but she, and we went through it with her and she was equally as honest and brutal and and loving. And so that was the beginning of the journey, but then the pregnancy journey. I'm also epileptic. And so being epileptic and being pregnant was its own had its own challenges because I I had never medicated during my lifespan of having epilepsy. But being pregnant and epileptic meant that the seizures that I was accustomed to managing on my own, I had to think about how they would affect her. But oddly enough, after delivering her, I never had another seizure. So that was really great. So I just had to be a lot more mindful about my body and what my body could manage and do and where I could go and all those stuff.
0: Well, and that pregnancy is always such a almost rude awakening. Of you are no longer an I, you're now forever a we and it doesn't get more real than when they're inside you.
1: Yes, that everything that happens to you is essentially happening to them and that and so just adjusting to that adjusting to my morning sickness, but taking everything in stride and taking everything and in stride is my personality and that of my husband's. And so it works for us. And so I think the day before she was actually born, I'd kept going to the doctors. And then they realized that I was lacking fluid. And so she was like, we may have to induce.
0: How far along were you?
1: Oh, I went all the way to 40 weeks in a day.
0: Okay. But then she
1: started to, her fluid started to go low. So we were thinking of inducing And but what she said was, Why don't you go home and try this tea out? See if this tea is going to work for you. It may, it may not, but if it works, that's great because then it will do it naturally and we don't have to come in and induce. If it doesn't work, we still got to come in tomorrow anyway. So, do you know what was in that tea? It was the red raspberry leaf tea, and I don't even think I had a full cup. I remember my husband came home and I'd gone out to eat with my mom, I had like this really Hearty meal from Hillstones where I just ate like everything in sight. It's like great. Went home, took a shower, drank the tea, fell asleep. By the time my husband came home, we were just sitting on the couch. I remember, and about eleven, twelve started to get a little (laughs) started to started to kick in, and I was like, oh, oh, maybe. I don't think the tea works like that. But then the contraction started to get, I was like, oh, whoa, this is, she's getting in here. But him being really nonchalant, he texted my doctor and was like, hey, I think something's happening. (laughs) She responded via text, don't you ever text me again when we're having a baby. You call me. This is the time to call me. He was like, all right. And she was like, come meet me at the hospital. And we went in and, Still, the contractions were coming in and coming in hard, but it was so it, it was eventful in a way like we had a bad experience with the nurse, and we got through that because again, my doctor listened to us and prioritized our emotional safety and how we felt and making sure that our space and energy was was secure that um, we got through that really quickly then my husband Set the tone, and it was great because he's really a quiet, taken in stride kind of guy. But like, we got into the delivery room, and he introduced himself, and he was like, "I'm the dad, and I really want my wife to have a safe and easy delivery. That means I want her energy to be right, and so I really need everyone to tell us the truth, talk to us, and like just talk to us. Don't. Don't make decisions without us. We really need to do this as a team so that she comes out of it and the baby comes out of it and everybody's happy. And they all were just kind of like, oh, that's so okay, sure, of course. And they respected that.
0: That right there is everything. Like that was your birth plan. Mm -hmm. He came in and just told them the birth plan and made it about teamwork and collaborative care.
1: And they met that. And it was really amazing that, you know, they my mom my mom was there. My mom was doing yoga in the corner. I was like, I got my epidural early enough, like I asked for. I was like, hey, I'm not interested. I'm not going out for any awards here. <laughs> Just give me Hold my eye. Hold on now. though. <laughs> I said, give me mine now. What mine now? <laughs> I'm so
0: glad you had your epidural when you wanted it. When I wanted it. And I also <laughs> want to take away the whole thing of that people that don't have epidurals are looking for an award.
1: They just no, want a different experience. They just want a different experience. Yeah. And I was very clear, like my experience was going to be with the epidural. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about a pain thing because I've had this conversation with so many of my friends who went without the epidural who who went that route. And it was like for them, they're like, no, no, the pain was there. We felt the pain. You felt the pain. We all feel the pain. But they really wanted to feel one with that process and wanted to really, really connect with what was happening. And I think the common thread was like that if they if they did anything, it would take them away from being in that moment. And that was their birthing plan. I was like, awesome, love that. <laughs> I'm gonna go this way.
0: <laughs> Do you remember when you got it, how far along you were or what were they waiting for? I don't
1: remember how far along I was when I, when I got the epidural. But it was also based off of, what I would say in terms of how how hard was that contraction for you if you scaled it. And for me, they were hard, but it was never a 10. It was just like, oh, that was hard. Ow, that was really hard, but I can still manage this. And so if I could still manage this, let me control what I can control and manage what I can manage. And when I can't manage it, that's when I would need the support. But I don't know how far along I was in terms of dilation before I got it. But I remember just being in the bed. My mom was between reading the Bible and doing her yoga poses. My husband was playing video games on his phone and I think I was laying on the bed just, I'm going to take a nap. Ow, it hurts. I'm going to turn my body around. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do the weight in the water movement, which was my favorite, like hunched over something. Just that actually was really the best technique for me and getting through pain and was like, oh, this is okay. If I position myself this way, I can and get through. Even now when I have cramps,
0: I will get down. I position. love it. You found your rhythm and your ritual <laughs> I, literal, to get you through yeah, the things. To get me through everything. I was like, okay, this is it. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a 100 times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A I R D O C T O R P R O. Dot .com so airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code birthful. Hey mighty one, as you approach the journey into birth and parenthood, now is the perfect time to make your home a serene and nurturing haven with the help of Home Threads. At Home Threads, you'll discover furniture designed for comfort and functionality, from cozy nursing chairs to versatile baby-friendly storage, as well as a super wide array of options to spruce up any room in your house. Home Threads can help make your home the perfect nest for your growing family and at a great value. I so appreciate that wide range of styles that you can find at Home Threads. For example, I was ecstatic when I found a pair of truly stunning mid-century curved walnut dining chairs that somehow perfectly match my home office chair. I mean, what are the chances? These chairs are not only gorgeous in their light green upholstery, but also super sturdy and just so comfortable. I simply adore them. Explore the amazing finds Home Threads has waiting for you. Go to homethreads.com slash birthful and get a code for 15% off your first order. Do make sure to go to our unique URL of homethreads.com slash birthful to get your discount. Homethreads love where you live. Was your doctor there the whole time? Would she come in and out? She was, I
1: mean, in and out frequently, but she was... She was there. We didn't have, um, so by the time we arrived, she was able to come and make sure that we were comfortable and in our room, told us what she was seeing. She was like, I think we'll be fine. We we, we don't have to go through this whole induction. Like we can deliver like our original plan. Um, And heart rate was good. I was doing good. And then she left and she said she'd come back. She came back. In between that, we asked to keep one nurse. Because it bothers me when I when you come in and I don't know your name. And once I've memorized your name, I just want to be like Nancy. And so when someone else would come in, I'd be like, no, who's this? Now I got to tell you, I have to explain my emotional state to you because Nancy knows where I'm at right now in my, or whatever that woman's name was at the time. So yeah, I think that was probably one of the key things to our experience was that everybody really listened to us and allowed us to be, you know, we played our music, we lit our candle, we really created our vibe in our room. And when it came time to deliver, Dr. Green jumped on that bed and was like, and she's a very petite, she's kind of like a Dr. Ruth, tiny woman, tiny Jewish woman, blonde hair, sassy, had her pearls on and she was wearing the pearls when she jumped on the bed. And she was like, Nana, focus. We're gonna get this baby the fuck out. I was like, yeah, get her out. And she directed my mom and she was like, Grandma, grab that leg. Woo-woo, which is what she would call my husband. Grab the other leg. Get focused. And he was like, This freaking lady is always yelling at me. Don't call, call me. Don't text me. Don't call, call me. Don't text me. She's always yelling at me. And he, but he grabbed that leg. My mom grabbed the other, and I was like, let's do it. And we pushed, we pushed. And that last one, baby's head came out and I, everything came out. And I remember, I, I do remember being like, I hope I'm not pooping. I just hope I'm not pooping. If I'm pooping, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm pooping. She doesn't give a fuck about your poop. <laughs> it's like, I just, I remember being like, mommy, am I pooping? My mother's like, nobody cares about your poop. <laughs> just push the baby out. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And everybody like, poops. I, she, I, every she was like, everybody poops. What is the problem? Like, what is wrong with you?
0: Whatever gets you through it, Nana. Whatever <laughs> gets you through it.
1: Now that I think about it, I laugh so because I literally Dr. Green was like, You poops. like every other freaking woman who was given birth. Ha. Big deal.
0: So your baby came out. Yeah. Along with some poop. Along with some poop. <laughs>
1: She was primed and ready to come out. She was like, yeah. She was born at 6.18 PM. And we started pushing at 610. We started the push at six, six o'clock, six ten. And she came out six eighteen.
0: And then how did you meet your baby? Right on
1: top. She came right, she came right out of the body and came right on top of mine, which was great because oh, so actually I take that back. She came out, Dr. Green said, can you reach? And I was like, I can reach. And then we brought her out together. And then she came. And then, then it was like, oh, ugh. And then my husband cut the umbilical cord. I got to do the skin to skin. And that was great. And we. So then they wiped her. Then Aki got her. I remember him taking his shirt off. And he took his shirt off and laid next to me. And then he got her. And then at some point, I think I was able, because my mom was there, my mother was like, you know, you don't have milk now, but you have something that you can kind of give to her a little bit if you want to, which was great because it was my first experience in how to show her how to latch on, how to like feel what that looked like for me. It wasn't the perfect latch, but she she took to it. We then transferred to another room, but we, as a family, we just kind of stayed the, the two of us, the four of us, because my mom was still there. So now the four of us just stayed, but my mom just kind of helped me clean up. And when when I was ready, she then binded my stomach, which is a cultural thing, which to kind of helps. And I, I don't remember even asking. At first I don't I probably didn't even ask her why, because the whole premise of my mom staying was that I knew that she would have all of her knowledge base of being my mother and grandmother to six at that time, that she got this. So whatever she said. Whatever she says. And I remember the points when my husband was like, what is she doing? I was like, ah, stop asking questions. We don't need to know. (laughs) I I am very good at knowing what I know and also very good at knowing what I don't know. And I don't know what she knows. I've not given birth to three children already. So whatever she says, let's just follow suit.
0: What was the most transformative part of all this for you? I...
1: I don't know if the transformative part came at delivery. I think I went into delivery very much task oriented. I have a goal. Get out healthy baby. Check. Done. What I didn't do or didn't have a a vision for was how I would feel when said baby would now be out. Now what? And what was different was that the euphoria that my friends expressed and they had experienced prior to me of just like seeing this baby and falling so deeply in love with this baby. And I, it wasn't my initial thought. I went into this very, my husband will laugh, but I went into this weird kind of like mama tiger, tiger mom type of thing and I started sniffing her. It was very weird.
0: I love that primal thing.
1: It was very primal. I was like, what is happening with me and this need to sniff and make sure that this baby is mine? Don't take anywhere.
0: But it's such a instinctual yeah. mammalian thing, thing to do. There are all these physiological processes that get activated through that scent, through the noises, through the Skin to skin, yeah. Yeah, so
1: that, I was going through all of that. That's what, but they didn't talk, my friends didn't talk about that. So I thought that there was, to be quite honest, I was like, there's something wrong. Mm. I didn't bond with the baby. Damn, I missed it. But I think if I'm being honest, my experience, it was very much like, um, not so much what I even expected. Because I didn't have any expectation of what it was supposed to be like, other than just get baby out of body. I think we took everything in stride. And whenever something didn't fit with our energy, we shifted it and we made sure that everyone was aware, hey, this doesn't fit with us, shift. And because we were able to also do this in partnership, it it didn't feel bad. Like nothing felt off. It was so even keel for us. Now, when we got home, it shifted. And that was interesting. We do a naming ceremony seven days after the baby's born. And I was... Doing everything normal. My mom was there. I was eating. I was drinking my soups. I was doing all of the traditional things that I'm supposed to do. We were breastfeeding fine. We were getting milk. All of those things were good. But I was bleeding at a rate that was just like, something about this doesn't seem right. So on her naming ceremony day, we have to wear all white, which is probably problematic. Let's just think that through anyway. But we have to wear all white. And I remember sitting there going, and the ceremony was in our house. And I remember sitting there and I was like, there's no way I'm still bleeding. Or there's no way that I've bled out of this brand new pad in the 10 minutes that it's taken me to walk from the bedroom to the living room. Because I had just changed. And by the time I came from the bedroom, sat down, sat down, was holding the baby, I had bled out. And so then I got up again and my husband saw that I had, but he was like, this is weird. We went back into the bedroom. I'm like, Okay, let's change again. By the time I get up, I was just, so now at this point I just now it does you can't even get up because I'm just gushing. Mm. And I'm just like, uh, this isn't working. And so as I'm gushing, then all of a sudden, simultaneously it, it's like the the panic in my brain triggers. Now I'm having a seizure. So I'm like sitting on this toilet having a seizure and gushing, and you can hear the baby crying. The baby crying makes your milk come. And it is literally like All of the cuckoo clocks went off at one time. It was like, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Everything was going off. It was really problematic. Um, And so we went to the hospital and realized that I was hemorrhaging. And so we needed to find a way to clot up the blood and to make it stop and all of that. So then I I was admitted to the hospital. And I actually don't remember a lot of what happened after that because it was really, we were at a point where it was like, well, we might need a blood transfusion. But thankfully, they got it to a point, I think I was let out about a week later, where they didn't need to do the blood transfusion. But in that week time meant that I couldn't breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And so what milk I had pumped the week of delivery was all that she had. So my mom was like, I had to feed her. I had to give her the formula. And I was like, damn. And that was that was the part where I was sad. That was probably the first time, because I was probably go with the flow with everything but I really felt that because I didn't think that I was that I had bonded with her at point of birth I thought that b- breastfeeding would be our moment to bond and so I really wanted to maintain a fully breastfed baby and going to the hospital for that week took us off track because by this time a week of her having to get formula she really was looking at me like, "Ma'am, I don't know what that is, but it's not what it's it's not where it's at." Because when I go to this other lady, this old lady over here, whatever she gives me, just be coming. When I come over to you, I feel like I gotta do it. But you could, it was funny because you could see it in her face when she would go to but my mom would feed her. She would just be like, "Oh," her whole body would just be like. Yeah, granny, you got me. <laughs> it was so sad. But I was like, mommy, if we feed her and then she can come, maybe she can like, the nursing isn't necessarily for the food, but for the soothing. So then it became that I did a lot of the feedings because that way that was our time. And so whether it be, whether it be a little bit of nipple just so she could get on it, or if it's nipple at the end, or if it's when she's crying. So she would feel like being on me was, was like, that's where I should be.
0: Did you find that after all of that, you got to that point where it was, you were soothing to her and you felt the bond?
1: Yes. I finally started to feel like I felt the bond. And I think my mom had a very uh, African perspective of like, I think Americans have made this thing feel like you have to have this like, uh, oh, love, romanticized experience about it. This baby is hungry. And they just want to eat. Your bonding comes when they see your face and they smile. Your bonding comes when when they cry and you come to them. That's where you also are bonding because that for them is like, when I am feeling this weird feeling of emotions, the person that makes me back to my happy feeling is this lady here. That So this notion that you only could bond if you breastfed her or you could only bond after you deliver her, that's not real.
0: Well. And even that idea of oh, falling completely in love with you—if that doesn't happen immediately, it's totally fine. It's totally that fine. can happen months, years later. Years. like you still yeah. love him, and then suddenly at one point you're like, "Oh, I'm in love oh, with you. Love with you." But it's totally fine if it doesn't happen right away. And I think we need to say that over and say, old, that say it more. Over again. Yeah.
1: And that's what no one said. And everyone said to me, oh, my God, I just fell so deep in love with the baby as soon as the baby came out. I felt, and the, I held the baby. It was just like magic. And I was like sniffing the baby. And I was like, nobody said shit about sniffing. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was, but it was good because – even now, she's nine years old, when she falls asleep next to me, I sniff. And she's like, mommy, why are you? And she, one day she said it, maybe like in the past year or so, she was like, mommy, can you sniff me? And I was like, yes, of course I can. I've been waiting for this all day. And I was like, "You, why do you say that? She goes, because you used to always sniff me. And I was like, you remember that? She was like, yeah, you're always sniffing me. I thought it was weird, but I like it. And I was like, yeah. I like it too. It was your own special, <laughs> unique. Our bond. Bonds. we had our unique bond. Nobody's like gonna take it away ever. I like sniffing my baby. Sniff
0: away, <laughs> away. So good.
1: Yeah. So that. So that was. Um. That was probably the biggest thing for me. One of the biggest things, and then realizing that I was different. That I. The emotional part about it was also like I was really hell bent on getting this milk out and really wanting her to latch onto the milk, And she was like, it does not come fast enough. But my we pumped because I was still producing the milk. And the, I remember being so mad at that machine. That machine would put me into such a depressive crying state. And I didn't know why I was crying. And it was like, I, I say it now, like I, I, I have tubular s- s- style breasts, right? And I've never liked my breasts. So on top of having these tubular style breasts, I then had to put this thing on it and then it made a sound and I felt like milky the cloud. I was like, and I was like, I'm being milked. And I just, and it, it didn't feel like I was getting, like, what was the benefit? I didn't feel like this reward because she wasn't taking the milk from me directly. We were pumping it into a bottle and she would only take it from the bottle and that's when she, it was just so like, what am I doing all of this for? And, and do I, and I wanted to do, I was like, I was like, I'm going to do a whole year of this and committing to milking and trying to get her back to latch onto the breast. And she was like, nah, I'm really not coming back there unless it's nap time. Like that's not my source of food for me. And it was that was probably equally as painful mm. in just like trying to deal with that emotionally and, and also identify what that was emotionally because everybody thought I was being sensitive.
0: No. And from somebody who also had to end up exclusively pumping,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I see you. Yeah. So much. I see you.
1: I was <laughs> depressed depressed. That was probably my biggest points of depression was, or sadness was really just like, damn, I really can't get this. The one thing I got to do, you got one task. And then one day my mother was like, actually, you have a few more tasks. Like uh, I, I already love your mom. <laughs> so like, much. if you think this is your one task, my friend, you are sadly mistaken.
0: <laughs> Did they ever figure out why you started bleeding so suddenly?
1: Apparently, I didn't clot. Uh, apparently, I had clotting issues, and that was the the cause, and so I hadn't clotted.
0: Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we say about your broad experience? We kind of focus on the birth, but really, we know yeah. that this is a spectrum from getting pregnant to- All the way to, to today. To, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, I think that- All of the emotions that I felt during my fourth trimester, and and also not knowing that there was a term for it, that it was called fourth trimester, that the sadness that I would feel, the kind of rushed emotion of anxiety, like all of those emotions were valid emotions that I was feeling. All of those things that I was going through were valid. I was not the only person in the world to have breast crack, and other people were having that. They weren't talking about it. They weren't posting it on Instagram. And everyone made birthing look so beautiful and glamorous. And so for a really long time, I felt that I didn't have a good birthing experience. Mm. And I felt that, I remember telling someone else, I felt that all of my friends prior were liars and that I didn't want to talk to them ever again because none of them told me the truth. My mom told me, but I wasn't listening to my mom because I was thinking my mom's experience is like, that was 1977, mom. Like, so, like Things have changed. And I was expecting that my girlfriends, who I thought were having the same kind of experience, would share that. And they didn't share that. They just talked about how beautiful it was. And all their pictures were great. And I was like, I blindly changed a newborn's diaper, not realizing that that was not A&D ointment, but that was her shit. I was just rubbing her shit all over her. It was an A&D ointment.
0: <laughs> this feels like Full circle back to your concern back to on my, the about poop. did I poop? Did I
1: poop. Did I poop? Not only did I poop, she pooped on me. I changed my daughter's diaper one night. In the middle of the night, I was like, I'm going to do it, not turning on any lights. And I thought it was a pee-pee diaper. I don't know. When my mom finally was like, what is that godforsaken smell? Because my mom and I slept in the bed together with the baby and my husband slept in another room because she was like, he has to go back to work. And I'm here. So I'm. she was like really like night nurse. Me and her night nurse types, like taking care of us. And she turned on the light.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> it turned into what a she, Jackson Pollock painting. What is, what is this? <laughs> we, I, oh,
1: boy, I smeared that baby in poop. Oh it God. was tragic.
0: <laughs> I love that story. Thank you for including it. I'm so glad you did. Um, but, you know, like... Uh-huh. The fact that she turns around and asks, can you sniff me? You know, you did it right.
1: Yeah, she we, we did it right. She's a good kid. She's nuts. But I think she's all the things that she was going to be with us as parents. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you so, so much for this lovely conversation and all your stories. I love it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: That was Nana Ison akiwowo co-founder of the wonderful Fourth Face Aftercare boxes, where each box purchase also generates a box to be donated to new mothers in sub-Saharan Africa or those experiencing homelessness in the U.S. You can find Nana on Instagram at Fourth Face Box. I hope your main takeaway from our conversation today is that there are many, many ways to bond with your baby, and there is nothing wrong with you if you're not in love with your baby from day one. The time from trying to conceive through postpartum is ripe with all sorts of emotions due to hormones, expectations, and circumstances, and all your feelings are valid. And since it can be extra hard when reality doesn't match your expectations, it is so incredibly important to be surrounded by people who you trust, who know you, and who will create a safe and protected space for you to feel all these feelings like Nana's husband, mom, and doctor did for her. Now, if at any point you feel like something is off during pregnancy or postpartum, trust your gut and reach out to your care provider or another trusted resource it does not need to be an urgent situation like it was for nana and you don't have to wait until your next checkup to be seen you can connect with us on instagram at Birthful podcast in fact if you are not driving it would be so lovely if you could take a screenshot of this episode and post it to your stories sharing what your biggest takeaway was from the episode Maybe it was hearing that you don't have to immediately fall in love with your baby, or maybe it was the primal instinct of sniffing your baby. Whatever it was, make sure to tag at Birthful Podcasts so we can see it, amplify it, and help normalize the broad range of experiences that can happen both in birth and postpartum. You can find in the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my birth and postpartum preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plotty. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on GoodPods, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen and then come back for more ways to inform your intuition.